the evildoers prosper. So people, these people have an attitude of everybody that's wicked is prospering, but what, why don't, doesn't it help to serve God? And even those who challenge God escape. And then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and I'd like to say talked with each other about this, and the Lord listened and heard, and a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those that feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty, and the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them. Just as in compassion a man shares, bears his son who serves him, and you will again see a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. And then turn over to 2 Corinthians. There's quite a few scriptures here, but it's, it's coming to an end. And verse chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I don't generally sit, but you never know, I might. So I'm going to get me a chair. Um, Chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace, key word there, grace, that God has given the Macedonian church out of most severe trial, their overflowing joy. They're in a huge trial, and and they have overflowing joy with their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Uh, Wow. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and they even gave beyond their ability entirely on their own. They They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service of the saints. And when they did, and they did not do as we expected, they gave themselves first to the... And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you to give, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last, uh, we'll skip that, verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. And then in chapter 9. Verse 8, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give as he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion or like you have to give or somebody's pushing you to give. Don't give like that because God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times having all you need sounds pretty Pretty faithful there. All things, all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. He scattered broad gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. And then the last verse is 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, which is Jesus. All right. Just wanted to give that for some background. And I ain't sitting. You know, this is wrong for me to sit for height, and it's wrong for me to stand for height, but I'll just do what I used to do, and I'll preach. (laughs) Hallelujah. Might have to hold my notes in my hand. Okay, Acts twenty thirty five uh, says. Now Paul's talking. He's. We're going to have to read that pretty soon. But anyway, Paul's talking. He's saying goodbye to these people. He's never ever going to see them again. And the last thing he says to them is, "I want you to understand and remember that these hands of mine supplied the needs of the, my co-workers, and it gave us the ability to help the weak and the poor." He says, I want you to remember that that was an example to you to have a lifestyle like that's the last thing he said to them. And then he said, and remember, even Jesus said, he says, remember, even Jesus said, it is more blessed than it is to give. And he's saying it takes work sometimes to give. 
And I want to look into the word blessed a little bit before we talk a lot about giving. We're going to talk about giving mercy, giving forgiveness, and giving finances. And really, if you've gotten a lot of mercy and you've gotten a lot of forgiveness, you probably want to give finances as well as everything else. Hallelujah. So what does blessed mean? I tried to look it up in the dictionary. It didn't satisfy me. So I, as usual, I looked in the Bible and tried to find it in context to tell me what blessed really means. To me, blessed, as I look, in, we'll look in so many scriptures, but it means to mean more prosperous, less isolated. Prosperous in relationships, less isolated in relationships. If you're really prosper, if you're really blessed, as the word is used in the Bible, and we'll look in the Bible in a moment, as the word is used in the Bible, you're going to feel less isolated. How many people, she brought it up last week, how many people are committing suicide? More and more and more and more. I want you to know the soul is eternal. Don't commit suicide lightly. The soul is very eternal. I'm worshiping here. I have a word way before we're supposed to have a word. <laughs> and the word came to me. Somebody here, I think, is thinking, because otherwise, why would the word come to me? But it sure encouraged me. It, 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 it uh, solidified something I already believe. We are eternal spirits. God made angels. And the Bible is very clear that those that rebelled are going to burn forever and ever in hell. This isn't even a message, but I think God wants me to say it. God made eternal spirits, stuck them in the Garden of Eden, and said, don't sin, don't do this. And he says, if you do, you'll die. Guess what? They ate it and they didn't die. But they did die spiritually. But that means they're still eternal. They're still going to... They're still, they're going to die, but they're going to die eternally a, a, a life of punishment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're act, we are actually eternal spirits, and Jesus rescued us. We get to go to heaven. We get to back off the, the, the devil, the godless devil that is trying to get us to feel isolated. But blessed are the people that walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. And let me just look at that. Well, there's too many things to say at one shot. I'm just going down the list of blessed. Blessed means this, and we'll bring it out in the scriptures again. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive, and that can include anything, not just finances. And in the Bible, blessed means less isolated. It means more safe. It means more ha very happy, very fortunate, very satisfied, much at peace. Peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. There's a peace that the world can't give. You've noticed the peace of the world. We live in a peaceful country for the most part. You can go over in a corner and be at peace. And yet instead of sensing the peace and the joy and the glory and the beauty of life, what do we sense? We sense the evil that wants to get us to die, get us to give up on life, get us to, to run away. Even in the midst of a peaceful country, we get these kind of feelings. That's crazy. There's so many people come up here from northeast, south, and west, and it's like, wow, America. When you've been tortured and tormented and hunted down and, and uh, you know, my guys tell me how, uh, you know, if you have a good job there, if you're a businessman there, you better look out because somebody going to want part of your money. And if you don't give them part of the money you earn, you get to die. Uh, you know, what a blessing to be in America. Sure, we've got some of that going on. Nothing like other places. But we're blessed. We're at an advantage. To be blessed means to be advantaged. Uh, for instance, Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, you're not listening to what, they, what the ungodly say. You're not doing what the ungodly. The ungodly giving you advice, and they're saying, yeah, just take advantage of me. Nobody's going to know about that. You can take advantage of that. And all of a sudden, your heart gets empty, and all of a sudden, somebody finds out. And all of a sudden, you've got to pay a price because somebody ungodly told you to do it this way, and it was definitely a, not a godly principle. But you're blessed if you don't walk in that kind of counsel. Blessed is the man that walking not in the counsel, the one that doesn't stand in the way of sinners, and the one that doesn't start doing the things of sin, doesn't stand in the way that sinners are standing. And then it goes on to say, blessed is the man that, blessed is the man that sitteth not in the seat of the, seat of the mockers. He sits down in the seat, and we've all done this. That's really sad. We've sat in the seat of the mocker. And how many of us can remember when we go, oh, he's just trying to be cool, or she's just trying to be so, self, so righteous or something. or You know, they've done something right, and instead we mock them, or they mock us. And you gave all you had, and then you go, oh, yeah, um, you know, Obama had the problem. Trump's, I've never seen anybody get beat down as bad as Trump, but they're mocking him. I don't care who he is. I don't care if he's the devil. The Bible says don't mock him. I don't care if you thought Obama was the devil. God's, the Bible says don't mock him, but... 
you're blessed if you don't sit in the seat of the mocker. Do you really think it's fulfilling on Facebook or anywhere else or talking to each other to start cutting down and to mock these people? Does that really feel like the glory of God and the presence of God? And boy, things are going forward and we can help save souls now. That's the opposite of blessed. It's called cursed. Blessed at an advantage are those that don't sit in the seat of the mocker or go in the way of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners. When you mock, you become isolated. Pretty soon you become isolated from the only one standing with you. I have watched this where a husband and a wife, they're having troubles, and they can finally, they'll find, I've seen it more than once, they'll find a common enemy, and all of a sudden they're getting along pretty good. And then later on that enemy is off the scene, and guess who they start fighting again? And all of a sudden there's a divorce. Because the opposite of blessed is isolated. And when you're walking in the council of the ungodly, you're going to be isolated. When you're doing the things like the ungodly want you to do, when you mock, when you curse, when you take advantage of, you're going to get isolated more and more and more because it's what? It's all about you, and you're isolating yourself doing that. Mmm, God's a smart God. Whew. Have you guys ever really seen a happy, ungodly person? Uh, you know, you see, I kind of remember, um, I don't watch that movie again, but I can't watch it, uh, Wizard of Oz. Just like it doesn't interest me, but I remember watching it as a kid, and I liked it. And I always remember that old witch. She's like, <laughs> you know, she's just as happy as could be. Yeah, she wasn't happy. She was, she was just all tore up inside trying to take advantage until what? Until she melted away, and that's what happened to anybody who walks in the Constantine That's not a blessing. That's not a blessing. Okay, then, just want to look at a couple scriptures. You can't leave out, of course, blessing when you look into the blessed, the Beatitudes, blessed are, this one here is, um, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed, in this case, to me, means safe. I, I literally lived on this verse, for, and I, I'm sure I still live on it. It just comes easier now. But I literally, going through Bible college and stuff, I lived on this verse. There's some folks I didn't want to be merciful to. Blessed are the merciful, they'd be showing mercy. You feel safe when you know that you know you got a merciful God. If I'm not being merciful, I'm not going to feel safe. Blessed means to feel safe. Blessed to be, to be in, a, in a refuge, in a fortress. And so I knew that if I would be merciful to people someday down the line, like tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to need some mercy. I'm going to need, and God's going to make sure I get it. The Bible is very clear. You remember the... The unmerciful servant, uh, the, the parable in the Bible of the unmerciful servant. Ten bags of gold, or they, they've said millions upon millions, maybe billions of dollars, the different translators. and It's just beyond belief how much he was forgiven. He, he was at debt to the master, and the master said, you know, you got to pay this up, or I'm going to sell your kids and your wife and you, and you're gonna, that way I'm going to get my money. And he said, just be merciful to me. And then some guy come to him and said, you, I, I, I need you to forgive me. I owe you 10 bucks. I mean, literally, it's that much difference in, the, in that parable. 10 bucks compared to 10 million. Do you think that that unmerciful servant was safe? Blessed are the merciful, but the opposite of that is not safe. The merciful servant, the unmerciful. So, so, he, so he found out about it. People talk, you know, and, got, and Jesus found out about it. The master, whatever you want to call him in the parable that was talking. To me, it's Jesus. But, but um, he found out about it. He says, throw that guy out in outer darkness. No, throw him out until he pays. Put him in jail. I'm getting two parables mixed up here. Put him in jail and let him be tormented by the tormentors till he pays the last penny. That doesn't sound very blessed to be unmerciful. And yet that guy thought, I, got, I just got forgiven $10 million. I'm not going to forgive that. That will help me to be more blessed. Every time you're not merciful, you're not blessed. You're not safe. You're not fortunate. You're not satisfied. You're not at an advantage. Matthew 5.3 Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. 
That's probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I got, I got a ton of favorite verses in the Bible. And they mean so much. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God. Are you thinking about that? What's that mean? What's that mean? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And my mind is not colossal, so I can't think like a lot of people. So I think God just comes down to my level and helps me figure it out. And I was praying years ago, God, what does that mean? And he said, blessed are those that are not spirited by the world, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you refuse to be spirited and entertained by the world, you'll have the kingdom of heaven. What happens in the kingdom of heaven? You're in an advantage. You get healed. There's no more tears. He wipes them away. There's no more pain. He takes away your sickness. There's new legs. There's not going to be limping people. He says it's better to go to heaven without a leg than to go into hell. But there's new everything in heaven. Blessed are the poor. We don't have to wait. He said, he said behold. Jesus started his preaching like this. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. People, you can just be healed while I'm preaching today. You can just go ahead and be healed. There's some of this healing. It doesn't need to take any longer. No more prayers. It's already right here. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. I just believe it. I believe it. And if the devil gets in the way, he's, he's going to hurt. It's time for you to stop hurting. It's time for me to start hurting. stop hurting. And it's time for the devil to start hurting. It's time for him to say, I don't want to go near that burnt. I got burnt. But instead, we keep getting burnt. But if we just believe, and there's where I guess I bring out the, I don't know if any of my teens are here at all, but they know my favorite, 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 favorite verse in the Bible. It is the most pivotal, earth-shaking, world-changing verse in the whole Bible. The Bible says the only way to really get to heaven is to work. And I know we've been taught different, but let me just hold on. Uh, John 6, 28 and 29, and they asked him, what is the work that God requires us to do? What is the work that God requires us to do? And Jesus answered them and said, the work of God is this. So there's a work. The work of God is to believe on the one he has sent. The work of God is go ahead and believe on Jesus, the one he sent, because he became flesh and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We got to get that word to be flesh again. Is This word, I've got to represent the word. I got to... Do everything Jesus did. i got to be everything Jesus was. He lives inside of me. I can't do it, but if I'll let him and I'll just believe, the work of God is to believe. Every time pastor gets up here to preach, what he's trying to do is help you believe because the work of God is to believe. The work of God is to believe his word. And the, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word. The work of God is to believe. Take it easy. Whatever you've been trying to do to get your healing, all you got to do is believe. But the work is to believe. But how are you going to believe? Well, you hear somebody preaching, it'll help a little bit. The kingdom, blessed are the poor in spirit, those that are going after God. Blessed are those that say, I can't go to the movie tonight. If I could get just two hours with Jesus, I can get more of the kingdom. If I can get a little entertainment, if you want to call it that, if I can get that instead of the movie, woo, I'm going to have something they ain't got. And it's not that I, don't, I want something they ain't got. I want everybody to have what I got, just like Brother Tony was saying in Sunday school, I want everybody to have this. Hallelujah. But we're living like there's no eternity. We're living like we're not eternal spirit. And we're settling for and the lame and the crippled. And, the, and I ain't joking about nobody. Man, I'm going through hell last, last few weeks. Saturday night, I, I, don't, I don't like to be vulnerable, but I just will be. Saturday night, I literally didn't know if I was going to live. Not this Saturday, the Saturday before. It's been a tough week. And I said, it's mine. And God gave me a song. I was going down the steps. And I'm sorry, but it was Carmen again. I don't know what it is about that guy. This blood's for you. And I just started listening to the blood song. This blood can go through the pain. To, to the, 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 this blood can go the distance through the pain to where you are. This blood goes on. I can't remember when I'm up here. But the one thing I remember, it says it'll make the strongest skeptic wince. This blood, when he sees the forgiveness, the love of God, it'll make the strongest, you know, the, the blood was spattering on these guys that were sinners. And Jesus is looking at them in this song, and he's, he's saying, this blood's for you. This blood will make this, this guy that's being killed by these guys is saying, I love you guys. It'll make the strongest skeptic wince. This blood is good. This blood can go through the pain to where I'm at last Saturday night. 
The work of God is to believe. So I'm just going to believe, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to give up a whole bunch of stuff that's okay to do just so I can get the kingdom. I am so tired of not seeing what we see in the book. I began to start listening. This will help you believe. Do this. Look up preachers. Ask me. Ask pastor. Ask somebody. What's a good preacher to listen to? Or what's a good ministry to listen to that will help increase my faith? Is Sid Roth supernatural? Would that help me to just start believing? I was talking the other day about somebody, their limbs were growing out, just growing out. I mean not growing out. I mean literally there's no leg and the leg grows out. It's like I got to get around stuff that talks about the kingdom. God, take me to the stuff that you want to put in me to bring faith into me. So that what? So that he can be glorified instead of the crippler. It's time for the crippler to go down. It's time for us to live, live blessed. It's time for the accuser of the brethren to be accused. He comes near us so often, and we start feeling like you must have been feeling. And it's time for him to feel that way. This, the Bible says if we'll just worship, the sentence written against the enemy will be carried out against the enemy. It's hard to worship. Why? Kind of the devil don't want you to get to that point. Hallelujah. But you're blessed if you worship. You're blessed. Poor, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is a kingdom. Not when we get there. Right now. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You give me one person that's just weird. And in the weird, what I mean by weird is they're not doing what everybody else is doing. Where are they today? Why aren't they at this game? Why aren't they at that? Why aren't they running to do that? Why aren't they got a schedule that's just driving them nuts? It's on account of they got a case of the kingdom and they're going to stay there. Hallelujah. That's a pretty shouting stuff right there. I just about went, blew up in front of your face, just like Tanner. Hallelujah. Blessed are the poor in spirit. And I just give you one more verse. I realize in order to really believe, we've got to have scripture. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for everything. How many things? All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the things I want to feel, the things I want to see, the pride of life, the things I want to feel good about, are not of the Father, but they are of the world. Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, love of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. I think I'm forgetting the, last, the second verse, so I'm going to look it up. I don't want to skip anything. I always kick myself after I skip something. So 1 John 16, 2.16. For everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he says and does, comes not from the Father but from the world. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If anybody loves the, if anybody loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And I, I think, you know, God wants me to go get entertained once in a while. I've got to be a little balanced here. But the thing is, when time after time after time, when i got a moment, I go to get entertained instead of I go to be with my lover. There is something wrong. Time after time after time, I buy all this stuff to entertain me later in the summer, and I use it three times, and instead of giving to the poor, I entertain myself. That's not blessed. That's not the kingdom. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Fortunate are the poor in spirit. Satisfied. The kingdom of heaven. Healings is the, those are the blessed is healed. Blessed is prosperous. Blessed is peace. Blessed is sound mind. Blessed is good relationships. The opposite is cursed. The opposite is I'm relying on anger. I'm relying on strategy of the wicked. I'm relying on ungodliness. I'm, I'm relying on resentment. I'm relying on getting one up on somebody. I'm relying on promoting myself. That's called cursed. But Paul says in 2035, last thing he wanted to tell those people, it's more blessed to give than to receive. We can give mercy as we just talked about. We can give forgiveness. This goes hand in hand. We can give finances. All right. 
Here's the good part. At least I like it. <clears throat> I'm going to say something about him first. <laughs> He's doing angel tree this year. And I, didn't, I think I knew that, but I totally forgot. And then he come up to me and ask about it. And I said, oh, yeah, it would be wonderful if I could do something, especially near Redfield. But I am so glad this is not any kind of manipulation or anything. I am so glad to be part of a giving church. You give in so many ways in this church. It's amazing. One is angel tree. I think of Dwayne when I first started writing this list. I've never heard of any, and he probably messed up yesterday because I'm bragging him up today, but I haven't heard of anybody that ever said that you called Dwayne, and yeah, he didn't have time. It's like you called Dwayne, and he goes, oh, yeah, I can fix that. You called Dwayne a little later, he goes, oh, yeah, I could probably go do that for you. And he's just always doing whatever he can do. And um, when you call me to say, can you do that, I have a, it's instant, oh, I got to be doing some roofing today. Ain't no way I'm going to find out how I can get away from that roofing because my heart doesn't move that direction. So you're helping me, convict me, whatever. RFK, givers, thinking about them little children, them orphans, uh, foster children. The fair, people that helped at the fair. You give what you can give. Sunday school teachers. Think of how many different things th this church gives to so many. Um, greeters. I don't want to come in that door and not be greeted. I want somebody to pull Jesus right out of me. And most of them probably know this. I can't help myself. Usually if you say it, I'll be smart aleck or say something. But usually I'll just say what's really in my heart. How you doing today? I got Jesus. I'm doing pretty good. I mean, he just jumps out of there. That's how I'm doing. I'm doing Jesus. Doing Jesus. He can't hardly. I, at the grocery store the other day, I thought, okay, I'll give up. This always comes out when they ask me. At the grocery store, the checker will go, how are you doing today? Because they're supposed to ask that. I said, I'm doing good. I got Jesus. And I, I, I waited a second because I'm thinking, and I, with the grocery stores, I've usually, not always, but usually thought of something else to say, like, well, the Lord's been good to me, or I tried to calm it down a little. And I just decided, you know, here I am. So I said, and she's like, she looks like 18 years old, maybe 16, I don't know. And I, I said, well, I'm doing good. I got Jesus. And she goes, China. <laughs> and then she goes, well, I'm not doing that good. And then she started telling me about her car and the head was cracked. And I never thought till a couple days later I should have called Dwayne. But um, <laughs> so he could do ministry for Redfield. But anyway, um, she started telling me about that. And I, dumb me, I said, I left by saying, well, boy, take care of that thing. Make sure you get enough water in it. I should have said, let's figure out a way we can fix that thing for you. You know, she already knows I got Jesus, so she'll know why I was doing it. Anyway, so greeters. Greeters are important. Hallelujah. You guys are very important that do the greeting. Somebody else start doing greeting too, okay? We got deacons. Oh, deacon job is hard. And I don't even get my part done. I, I'm supposed to do some of the trim on this church yet. That's been like three years ago. And it's like, come on, there's got to be a moment somewhere where I can do the trim. But deacons do a lot. They all got their certain area where they got to do their thing. Thank you, deacons. Thank you, Dwayne. Thank you, RFK people. Thank you, fair people. Thank you. Fair is tough. Fair is, but it's rewarding. You just go with people and you strike up a conversation. If Jesus says you can say something to them, say something. If you, if you can't, don't. But one of these days, as you keep praying, you're going to be able to start witnessing like, like water. It's just going to happen. Checking children in, that takes time. Uh, it was enjoyable to uh, talk to Josie this morning. Checking children in. Nursery, huddle leaders, people that open their homes to huddles, the huddle ministry, the huddle ministry leaders. Just a ton of things I'm probably not even talking, you know, saying, but there, that's a lot right there. Because you're givers, because you want to be, not because you want to be blessed, but that's going to be what's happening to you is fortunate, not at a disadvantage. You're going to not feel isolated. You're going to be able to, uh, to have relationships that are closer and closer because you're doing the things that says you'll, if you do them, you'll be blessed. Um, I want to mention this. To me, this is very important. Somebody's here probably don't feel like you can do anything. I have noticed, though, that you're sitting in a chair. I noticed somehow you got yourself to this building. And if there's anybody I can brag up more than any one of you guys, it'd be that person that didn't want to come today, and you got yourself sat in that chair. And you just ministered to me by showing up. 
just ministered to me by seeing that you have some kind of interest in God, and maybe more than any of us, but you can't seem to get out from under the darkness, but you are able by your strength to get into this pew. Maybe you're even a snob and you thought this is too good, you're too good to be in this place. That's the one end of the spectrum. But you got here and you're sitting there. And you know it all and you're whatever, you know, but I just want to tell you, you're doing great. Thanks for coming. You have ministered to me because of your desire to be here. If you need any cleaning up in your heart, God will do that as you continue to be around him. And then that person that might be a drug addict or just feels like a total failure, and you're actually sitting in this church today, or you're listening to me in the great airwaves of how we reach out across this great world, <laughs> practicing for the big ministry, you know. <laughs> um, if you're sitting there, I'm telling you what, I'm not joking. I'm not lying. I'm not manipulating. I am in love with you. I am thankful that you're here. I am so excited that you made it. You got into that chair, and that's all you had to offer was you, your body, part of your mind, whatever. You're here. Keep on going forward because the kingdom of heaven belongs to the, those that are saying there's only one way to get spirited, and it's by Jesus. The poor in spirit will have the kingdom, and you don't have to wait till you get to heaven to have it. It's mine, and it's mine now. That has brought me miracles with that kind of attitude because I found it in the scriptures. It's mine, and it's mine now. Everybody can say that out loud. It's mine, and it's mine now. It's mine, and it's mine now. Now, some people go about saying, and if they, if they really have that faith, that's fine. I'm healed. They say I'm healed, and you can say they're not healed. You know, but if they really believe they're healed, I'm not going to come against that. I believe they are too. If they really believe that, that's fine. It's going to manifest. But the way I found it is when the Israelites, I'm getting off on a rabbit trail, which I'll come right back. When the Israelites went into the promised land, it was theirs. It was theirs now, and they were told to go ahead and take it. It's ours. The only reason they didn't get it is they were afraid of the battle. Don't be afraid of the battle. Somebody said that this morning. Trust in his faithfulness. Psalm 91, his faithfulness is your shield. Don't be afraid of the battle. His faithfulness is your shield and rampart. His faithfulness is your shield to protect you and your rampart to beat back the gates of hell. His faithfulness is going to see you through. You just keep your eye on him. His faithfulness. Folks, if you've been crippled for 40 years, 30 years, 10 years, it's his faithfulness. Go ahead and just decide that, it's, that healing is yours. Just go ahead and decide it's yours. What's, why not? Why not fight for what's ours? Why not back him off the enemy? <coughs> Used to be 40 minutes went so quick. Now I got plenty of time. 2 Corinthians. We want to get into the giving. But the thing is, if you're giving mercy... You're taking blessing. If you're giving forgiveness, you're receiving. Instead of saying blessing, let me just say those words again. Instead of, if you're given mercy, you're receiving prosper, prosper, prosperous in relationships. You're receiving, and these are all blessing words. You're receiving safety if you're given mercy. You're receiving happiness if you're given mercy. You're, you're being fortunate if you're given mercy. You're being satisfied if you're given mercy. You're, you're, you're receiving peace if you're given mercy. And you're being at an, at an advantage that the ungodly don't have when you receive mercy, when you give mercy. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Want to just hit finances a little bit? We'll go back to 2 Corinthians 8. I just want to point out the, the verse that says um, grace. In ver chapter 8, verse um, 2, it says, Out of the most severe trial, your overflowing and over, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. Verse 1 at the very end says, I want you to remember about the grace that God gave to these people to do this. God has given us grace to do stuff. God has given us grace to give. God has given us grace to give mercy, given us grace to give forgiveness, given us grace to give finances. 
and given us grace to a lot of other things, but only three we have time for today. But he's given us grace. It's a grace. If God's grace is in giving, guess what's going to happen? You're not just given money. You're actually given a testimony to Jesus. If it's his grace, he's going to show up in it. So he's given the Macedonian churches grace out of their, out of their deep poverty to give overwhelmingly generous. He's given them a grace. I really believe that talents, more than anything, it, it can be anything in our life, but anything in our life is activated by grace if it's worth anything. But the, it was kind of amazing that Andy Stanley spoke about the very chapter that I'm speaking about. But uh, in t- chapter 25, in the midst of the sheep and goats and all the people going to heaven and going to hell and the kingdom of God is going to be like this, this one, this one scripture is in there. And it says, let's just look it up. It says, um, Matthew 25, I'm not even sure what the verse, because I, I wasn't going to originally read it. 20, um, the parable, it, it's verse 14 is where it starts. It says, again, it'll be like a man going on a journey, called his servants and trusted him with property. And so it goes on to say one gave five talents and one gave two, one, had, one was given five, one was given two, one was given one. And if anything, this chapter I see is that God has given us some grace. He's given us a measure of faith, the Bible says, and he's given us some grace. Somebody might have got five measures of grace, which is five bags of gold, millions of dollars again, like kind of like the other parable in chapter 18. And he's given another guy a couple bags of gold and given another guy one bag of gold. And he wants them to use it. And the two that use it, no problem. But the one that didn't use it, um, it wasn't good, but here, I don't want to focus on the one that didn't use it. I want to tell you what you can do if you do use it. What are your abilities, talents, what grace has God given you to reach what's on his heart? What's on his heart? Anybody know what's on his heart? People. 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 Human beings. Body, soul, mind, and spirit, they're on his heart. I think sometimes people think we just want to get the soul saved. He wants to restore the whole person. It's all about restoring his people. And so the one didn't do it, and it says just, you know, he didn't, he didn't use what he was given. And so he wasn't blessed. He was cursed. It says put him in outer darkness where there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But the ones that used their talents, he said, give them more. You know, give them more. Give them more. He gave them more. Now in, um, as we, wow, I, I need to get one of them little clickers. It's really handy what pastors got there. We can click all over the place. All right, let's go to, back to um, Corinthians. Just bring out a couple scriptures here before we go on. So it says here, how much do you want to give? What's on your heart? You're on God's heart. What's, what's he putting on your heart? Um, For I testify they gave as much in verse 3 as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. So how can somebody give beyond their ability? Anybody got any idea? I know what they must have did. I figured it out. They gave beyond their ability. It says they gave as much as they could, and they gave beyond that. How do you do that? First, I think they prayed, and second, I think then they had a donut sale. And then I think they had a car wash. And um, what else could they have done? I think I wrote a thing down here. They, just, they started working some overtime. What can we do to give? Have you got a heart of giving because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? Boy, this is good. Let's turn to, keep your fingers in Romans, I mean Corinthians, but let's go to Acts 20. just want to read that. How bad do you want to give? I want to give you a testimony. Acts 20, 35. How, how deep is it on your heart to give? How hard is it for, for you to not come up here and give in the offerings? Is it just killing you? Because if you're related to Jesus... You just want to give. Remember we read a little earlier, bless the, thank God for his unspeakable gift being Jesus. About maybe 15 years ago, I finally got out of this constant turmoil of always giving too much. I listened to that TV 
And they'd say, you give 1500 bucks, and God's going to bless you like crazy. <laughs> so I tried some of that stuff. And all I got was heartache, and, and it just got hard, and I, I could never get the bills paid, and we had to go without fixing things. And, and, he, he, and some of what they preached wasn't wrong, but it was, always that, it was always give in order to get. The whole thing was give in order to get. So I'm trying to find out what's wrong. You know, what am I doing wrong? I, I, I could use a little money. God says he'll take care of me, and I ain't getting it. So I, about 15 years ago, I decided I ain't giving no more. I ain't giving until this verse I just found a little while, well, back then, a little while ago, about 16 years ago, I found that verse that says, it's okay to give as long as you have it with you, but if you don't have it, don't give it. But the thing that confuses you is that the first part, it says they gave more than they could give. But see, that what they did is they had a car wash, a donut thing, and, and they sold cookies, and they did all kinds of stuff. That was above their ability. But he says you don't have to give like that, but you do. But if you do want to be blessed, don't give more than you're able. That put me at, oh, that was so hard. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. Because guess what? I wanted to help the poor. One time across my desk came, um, I don't know if they're from Africa. I don't know where they were from. Central America, they're dark people. Two naked ladies, totally naked. You could not even tell they were women. And I just started weeping. It's people like that I want to help. They were so skinny. They were so emaciated. They had nothing. No clothes and no food. Nothing. And so I decided, as hard as it was, it was in this church before I was able to start giving. And, and I just started weeping the day I got to give above what I had. Above what I, you know, what I'm saying is... When I finally was able to have some above the needs of the family. And uh, God just wants us to know. I, I gave a, my wife and I were sitting in a service one time years ago and standing in a service. I still can see myself standing there many years ago. And, and um, I said, I feel like God wants me to give it all. And he's dealing with my heart. And I went up to the altar and it's like, I want to give my heart more, Lord. I want to give my money. I want to give everything. And this guy, I think, was asking for bicycles over in another country. And he said, I just, want to, I just feel like God wants me. And he gave me this verse, and I know it's a forgiveness and mercy verse. But when I find in these scriptures anymore, if it's for forgiveness, if it's for mercy, if it's for anything, it's for everything. The kingdom of heaven has gold. Uh, the, the, Jesus came to get me through this world, body, soul, mind, and spirit, not just my soul. I don't have to just sit in a hospital somewhere wasting away because, thank God, he saved my soul. No, I will fight. The Bible says we fight. We face death all day long. It doesn't ever say we give in to it. We've, we're like sheep to the slaughter. We face death all day, and we're beating it back, and we're bringing life to people. And he came to show who the father was, and he began to heal the sick and raise the dead and take care of people and love them and have compassion, show them what forgiveness looked like, and show them how to keep a strong arm against those that just absolutely want to just talk, think about themselves. And so I gave, I, I said, Jenny, I, I think we're supposed to give everything. And she's, okay. And she thought I meant everything in my pocket. So I gave the guy everything in a check. And back then, everything was only 250 bucks, but to us, that was a ton of money, and plus, we didn't have a fridge. We kept stuff in a little cooler because there was no place else to keep our food because the refrigerator don't work. So we got 250 bucks, and we think, well, we might be able to get a $500 refrigerator. And so we gave it, and she goes, I thought you meant just in your pocket, but she was all right with it. And um, I don't think it was a day or two later, somebody gave us 750 bucks to go pick out a refrigerator. So... This is the verse he gave me that people used to manipulate him, but he gave it to me, and I know I could hear him saying it. I heard God saying it. He says, give and it'll be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Most people use that. It's right in the middle of don't judge and don't, you know, it's all about forgiveness. It's not even about giving money. But that's the verse God gave me, and when he gave me that verse, he said, I will take care of you. That verse gave me the assurance that I would be, it would be all right. It would be, what he told me is, you'll be all right. I'm going to take care of you. So what happened? My 250 in a couple days turned into 750 bucks because I just gave out of my heart. I just wanted to help him, and I wanted to know he'd take care of me if I don't have my 250 bucks. 
I didn't know he was going to give me 750 in a couple days. Maybe that wouldn't have opened that gates of heaven or the windows of heaven that we're going to look at as we close. Maybe I wouldn't have got 750 in two days. I highly doubt it. But it, was, it opened up the gates of heaven, the windows of heaven, according to the Bible. Okay, I, I, I do got to start closing, but uh, Proverbs, I just want to read a couple. Because the work of God is to believe this stuff, I want to give you a couple scriptures. Proverbs 19.17. Do you believe Proverbs 19.17? He that has pity or helps the poor, pity on the poor or helps the poor, lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him for what he's done. Will the Lord repay you for helping build his church? Will the Lord really pay, repay you if your whole heart is to save another poor soul? What more poor soul is there? And, and like I said, I'm talking forgiveness. I'm talking mercy. I'm talking souls. But it all wound up together because they are very poor if they're never going to see the kingdom of heaven. This whole beachhead of a church that's reaching out into the world now, the country now, the, the other counties now, this thing is to reach poor people that are not only more probably spiritually poor than they are physically poor, but they are poor. Do you believe that if you would give to the Lord in that area of reaching other people, of building his kingdom, do you believe that he will repay you for what he's done? I like what one version it says. I believe it's King James. But it says, that which he has given, he will repay him again. It almost sounds like he'll give you that much that you gave, and then he'll give you that much more. What he has given, he'll give him that again, it says. Well, regardless, I think he gives even more than that. doesn't matter what that verse means exactly. It does say he'll repay you. But do you believe that? See, I don't think we believe that. I had to, I had to preach this at myself. I had to think about this as getting ready for it. I don't think we believe that really that if we invest in the kingdom of God, he'll on this earth bless us as well as in eternity. Do we really believe, and that's, I'm going to bring this home, do we really believe when he says if you lend to him, how many have 501K? You don't have to raise your hand. 501K. You're investing. You know what that's called? That's called receiving. You're investing so you can get something. What I'm talking about is investing so you can give something. Like Like after I got to the point where I could actually give money without just giving it by so-called faith that the preachers inspired me to think I had, when I actually began to actually get to give, and I just, oh, God, help these people and I'd check out ministries where I know they're. I remember one time we gave 500 shoes to some folks in Guatemala. And it's just like, check out the ministry. Make sure they're, that's where that stuff's going. And then it's like, just thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I got to give somebody. They don't have to run around that hot ground and on those pebbles and whatever else they're going to hit, sticks, and, and they get shoes. And it was just some kind of sandals, I'm sure, but because uh, we bought a lot, you know, 500 of them for a very low price. And, you know, I don't know if it was 2000 bucks or what it was, but we got to buy shoes. But do I really believe that he's going to take care of me if I start thinking about what he's doing? Oh, it's just all over the Bible. Have time to look at it all, but um, it's safe to give when you don't have much money. It's safe. Proverbs eleven twenty five: A generous man will himself prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. A generous man. I think we skip over that verse and we don't really see it. A generous man will himself prosper. It doesn't say a rich man will prosper there. It doesn't say that. It says a generous man will prosper. It might be a, a lady sitting in a temple giving two little coins that Jesus watched him give. But that lady's going to prosper. It doesn't say that a rich man will prosper. It says a generous man, a guy that doesn't have hardly anything but gives what he's got. He forsakes some of the stuff, and he's not spirited by the world and, the, and all the contraptions when he sees. His, so many people don't even have shoes. So many people are, we got we to gotta go back. Maybe that's why God gave that to me today. We've got to go back to believing people are going to hell. Maybe it'd be worth investing in whatever we can invest in to help them not go there. We got to keep, we got to quit believing that everybody that commits suicide is in a better place. Not everybody that commits suicide is in a better place. Not everybody that dies at the funeral, that 99% of the preachers assure you that everything's good. Not everybody is not all good. In fact, the Bible says just the opposite. Most of them don't make it. 
but we can save a few of them if we will invest in his heart. And we got these scriptures here. He says the work of God is to believe these scriptures that he'll take care of us if we give. Uh, but it might be a poorer lifestyle. Who cares when you're in a war what kind of lifestyle you got? I'm in a war. It really doesn't matter how much entertainment I get. I got to get this thing won. I got I to gotta fight for one more. And I'll tell you what, when the best love of your life, Jesus Christ, is fighting with you, you'll be all right. Okay, I got to close. Malachi, last, last chapter, last book, well, almost last chapter, last book of the Bible. I, want, I, I feel like the Lord told me to say this, so I'm going to go ahead and take the time. We could get into this a lot, but I'm just going to get a moment to kind of get it, because I don't think we're quite catching this yet. I think this will help. I looked up Apple stock market the other day. I think it was Friday or Thursday. And they're selling a, every share is sold at 185 bucks. If you would have bought that stuff at 2004, it was selling at two bucks. You could have bought $2,000 for, you could have bought 1,000 for 2,000 bucks. 2004, that's 14 years ago, you could have invested in the stock market $2,000. And today, if you would have sold that at $185 a share, you get 370,000 bucks. Now, I don't know if you guys, some of you, especially as we get to 30, 40, 50 years old, we're starting to think about investing in something, apartments or cattle or land or, or uh, rental houses, something to sustain us when we get older. And maybe some of you are thinking about stocks or maybe you're relying on your 501K and you're investing and you tell your employer how much you want put in each, each week because, each month or each time a paycheck. And you do that because you want to be secure later on and you believe it's going to help you in the future. Not only would you get $370,000 now if you'd have bought them then. I wish you guys would have bought them then. You could have shared with me, whatever. Um, not only would you get that, but you get it 1.58%, which is 6000 a year. You get 500 bucks a year, 500 bucks a month above the 370000 if you decided to sell today. So if somebody here bought that and you didn't realize it went up, now's your chance. <laughs> We believe that. I'm trying to help us to understand, we believe that. We believe that if we go into a solid uh, company or a solid apartment building or a solid rental or some solid land, we know that it's always going to have value and we're going to rely on that when we retire. I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg on the giving scripture. He says if you leave family and everything, and that can include finances, if you leave everything, your dream of being you know, having an empire, whatever your dream is, if you will leave that and give you a whole bunch now and eternal life besides, do we believe that? What are you investing in? So investing in a stock market or something like that is called receiving. Do you understand that? But when we give to God, that's called investment in giving. And your focus is not on receiving, but you should have the solid confidence that he is going to keep blessing. He is going to keep taking care of you. And the problem is that every time he comes through like he said he will, generally we have a tendency to say, cool, I like that. But you know what? My refrigerator, we had that in Redfield, South Dakota. Then we moved to Kansas. We had a different refrigerator. Then, what was it, 12 years ago probably, we got a great big nice black double store big freezer refrigerator and I wasn't even thinking about it until this message and now we traded that house pretty much an even trade for that house which tells me that Jesus is cool and for the house we got in which I think is a huge upgrade and now we got a refrigerator that's got chopped ice or regular ice and water and it probably has a pop machine in the back I don't know <laughs> it's uh it's got everything and I wasn't looking for a, a, a Jenny looked it up. We got it with the house. We didn't buy it, and we wouldn't buy one, I don't think, like that at all. I don't think we would buy one like that. No way. And, um, but it came with the house. My refrigerator that I bought for $250, oh, it cost $750 back in 1990 approximately, has turned into about three different ones, and they just keep getting better. But I haven't been focused on that. I wouldn't even have thought of that until God gave me the, the thing that happened when I got the, the old refrigerator. 
But we don't believe that. That's our problem. We believe that if we give, because in this natural world, we believe that if we give, we're going to have to suck it up and go without. I don't know. My Bible says if we are poor in spirit, we have the kingdom. Now, you ain't going to miss nothing if you got the kingdom. You will not miss a thing. Let's read Malachi. Not going to preach on it. Just want to read it. See if you pick something out of there that you didn't see the first time. Chapter 3, verse 6. Ever since the time your forefathers, of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and you haven't kept them. Now, you know what? He's, he's, he's only talking about a couple things that I see in Malachi that, you know, in the last three chapters, two, three chapters. This one, he's only talking about one thing. And yet he says, you've turned away from me and my decrees and you haven't kept them. But he had one thing he was really putting a spotlight on. He says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. And so they're like, oh, what have we been doing wrong? Why, how are we? I didn't know we needed to return. We thought we were doing just great. He says, if you return, if, I will return to you if you return to me. But, and then you're saying, well, I don't, I don't know, what, what do you mean? And, he's, and then God says, well, will a man rob God? And then they say, well, how are we robbing you? Well, and then he says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you. You're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Notice that second verse, that second part. It doesn't say bring the offering. It says bring the whole tithe. Guess what? For those that may not know it or haven't got to that point of faith, man, please just trust your father. It says bring the whole tithe. That means the whole 10%. And some people say, well, that means 10% of everything you make. Well, if I make 100000 in a year and 80000 of it is, um, you know, I got to pay the... the I got to pay the workers 50,000 of it. I got to, well, probably, well, this is a low number, but anyway, I got to pay the workers 50,000. I got six workers, so that wouldn't do it for a year, right? <laughs> but anyway, so I got to pay the workers 50,000. Well, I got to pay overhead costs, and I got to pay insurance, and I got to pay, I've got to pay um, uh, materials for all the houses, all the shingles, and all the, the uh, accessories, and all that. I got to pay another 40,000 for that. I'm up to 90,000. How in the world am I going to give 10% of 100000 if it costs me 90000 just for the materials and to pay the guys and the insurance and all that? I'm to give 10% of my increase, not 10% of everything that came in. Because 10% of my, my everything that came in, all of a sudden, I have absolutely no money to pay any bills if I pay my 10% because I give 10000 to God and there I'm at 100000 So, And the Bible says I'm worse than an infidel if I don't take care of my own. So he understands, but will you just believe him that if you'll give the tithe of your increase, that he'll take care of you? Verse 9, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I'll throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. And I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. So what happened? What's that mean to a city person? You'll have to decide that. But to a farmer, which it was so much of back then, um, it means things aren't going to come against your, your, your whole business. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. You, will, you have said harsh things. You have said it's not worth serving you. You have said it's futile to serve God. And you go about mourning and saying, why are the arrogant blessed? And in verse 16 it says, then those who feared the Lord. So here's the neat deal. I don't know. God put this on my heart a couple weeks ago, this message. I don't know, but what if he put something on my heart? Maybe it's because some of us need to give better with our offerings. Maybe it's because some of us just need some confidence that he's really going to take care of me. He really likes me. He's going to take care of me. He wants you to be in a spacious place, in a delightful place that he's talking about right here. And then, in, and then it says, those who feared him. After he rebuked them, he says, and then those that feared him started talking together. So us people here that fear the Lord, and we heard this message, let's talk to each other about this. Let's go eat somewhere and talk about that and bring out some more scriptures and just encourage each other that the work of God is to believe the word. And if we really believe the word and test him, that is so cool. It's all his problem if I look stupid because I gave. If I feel like God said give some and I go ahead and give it and then he doesn't take care of me and my family, 
or some disaster happens the next day and somehow I can't be taken care of. It's all on him. He's the one that's not going to look good. I just did what he told me. Do you know him that well? Can you give and just trust? He says, test me and I'll pour out the windows of heaven. Okay. A couple verses. And it says, and they talked about it, and then a scroll was written to those, about those people that talked about this deal. So the people got rebuked. They said, hey, and they feared God, and they said, hey, hey, we need to start giving our tithe. We need to start taking the whole thing to the storehouse. The whole thing. We got to start being who we say we are. We're the people of God. And so they started talking about it, the godly, the fear, the, those that feared the Lord. And then God said, okay, I'm going to make up a scroll about these guys. And it was written... A scroll of remembrance was written in God's presence concerning those that feared the Lord and honored his name. They will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. This is the best of the best. They will be mine. These people that started taking seriously what I'm telling them, they started believing the word. They will be mine, and in the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them. Just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him, and you will again see there's a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. between those who serve God and those who do not. So let's stand. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your patience. (coughs) 